0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee twenty-four monthly bill credits for well qualified customers contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per
2: line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
1: Welcome to Sunday Take. I'm Boy Solson, your host. It is March 20th, 2022. We are about a quarter of the way through this election year, and there's a lot to cover. The top headline this week was the governor's next budget. On the backdrop of Tom Bach announcing that he's leaving the legislature, we'll talk deeply about both those topics this hour. And then that first congressional district special election is going to be crowded primaries on both the Democratic side and the Republican side. And there's two pro-marijuana candidates that will be in the general election. On the governor's budget, the backdrop of a gas station for a governor who previously proposed and ran on a gas tax, shows just, I think, one of the greatest contrasts of this election year versus 2018. How much has changed? What's the mood of Minnesota? We'll talk to Kurt Doubt about that and just how he's feeling as people continue to believe Republicans have an advantage going into elections. And do Republicans think they need anything out of this legislative session? We'll talk to Matt Benda, new candidate in the 1st Congressional District, and then we'll catch up with Aaron Brown on all things Iron Range politics, including what the Bach retirement means. Thanks for listening to Sunday Take. We'll be right back.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
4: Medella the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager
0: with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the
4: reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
1: First cup of coffee this Sunday morning is with Matt Benda. Matt's an attorney from Albert Lee. He's thrown his hat, like many others, into the race for the first congressional district. He's a Republican and he joins me now on Sunday Take. Matt, thanks for joining me.
4: Good morning. It's an honor to be here.
1: Um, Matt, just for listeners who maybe don't know your background, I know you've been involved in Republican politics. You're a well-known attorney in the Albert Lee and in the ag circles. Um, Talk about you know your background where you're from but also why why would a why would somebody wake up and decide they want to run for congress
4: yeah that's a that's a fair question i get a lot um you know i grew up in in, in southern minnesota i've been there my entire life my parents were just you know diehard advocates for the rural way of life and my dad brought me into politics at a young age at 16 i was already going to precinct caucuses uh, by 18, I was a delegate to state and district conventions, and you know w- whether it's a, a, a blessing or a curse. My dad gave me the, uh, the 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 bug to be involved, and you know he always said if you're going to live in a community, you got you have to give back. And I think we've all learned that there's different ways to give back to the community. And for 25 years in Albert Lee, I've been giving back through working shoulder to shoulder with farmers and small businesses, and. You know, it, it just with everything going on in the country, just this was the time to give back. Uh, I have a lot of people that just encouraged me to consider using my skill set to, to turn the country back in the right direction. It just felt like now was the time.
1: When you say turn the country back in the right direction, what are two or three issues that you feel would shift the country or or you could bring to, you know, points of view you could bring to Congress? Which, you know, no matter who's in charge, Congress hasn't worked well for a decade or so. So what what are those issues or, or what are the issues that you think could could shift things to a different direction for the country?
4: Great question. I mean, I do think morally and fiscally we are clearly heading in the wrong direction um, from a fiscal standpoint. The, the, the fact that we gave up energy independence under Donald Trump. And now we're looking at the, the the prices of gas when we go to the pump. Um, th- those issues are just core right now. People are when when I'm out, you know, campaigning, reconnecting with friends. Those those fiscal issues are are, are first and foremost. Um, from a moral standpoint, um, you know, again, I, I I'm very embedded in my my faith. Um, I think it's important that we just stick to our principles. Um, so I think you need somebody that um really is grounded in this faith grounded in their community and just can can move these issues forward um you know i grew up as a as a you know a kid in the 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 farm crisis and i know what it means to grow up with uh difficult financial times um making paycheck to paycheck i i grew up in that um in that field and now when i work with you know again f- families you know i i understand what it means to uh, to, to, to challenge through those, uh, those pocketbook issues.
1: The first district is obviously has a lot of agriculture and a lot of farms, but it's also become more economically diverse. You think of the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, you think of manufacturing in Winona, uh, your own hometown of Albert Lee, just the, the, the changing landscape. Are there threads that you see, that pull people together that don't rely on partisanship or don't rely on the culture of DC about us versus them?
4: I, I, I do think it's important to stay uh, grounded. I'm a first district first guy. Um, and so there are a lot of issues out there that, that, that do, um, you know, you're asking across the aisles, what, what, you know, not party based. I think people are really concerned about getting their kids to school, getting a good education. Making sure they have uh, input at the school board meetings, uh, that their voices aren't silenced. I do hear a lot about those type of issues, and you know, quite frankly, when you talk about healthcare freedom, um, there are a lot of concerns that the you know the Dr. Fauci's of the world are imposing their healthcare decisions upon us. I mean, we're in uh, a, a part of the the state where you have Mayo Clinic on one side. Uh, Sanford on the other, and a lot of great independent healthcare in in, in between. Um, I am really concerned that those organizations, we weren't able to go to them to help get us healthcare decisions. We had these imposed um, from, like I said, the Dr. Fauci's and kind of the unelected folks. Uh, those are concerns for people. They're like, we're just good, hardworking people. We want to make healthcare decisions. And people are really upset about that. Um, so I think that when you talk about Threads, that is certainly a threat I hear frequently, healthcare um, decisions and raising our kids and educating our kids. So those are the threads that I hear frequently.
1: Matt Bend is my guest. He's a candidate for Congress in the first district as a Republican. It's a crowded field. He's an attorney from Albert Lee. Uh, he represents agricultural interests. He's been uh, a member of many civic organizations in Albert Lee. Matt, you you said something interesting in that that last answer about you know, Mayo on one side, Sanford on the other, and then, you know, a lot of independent folks in the middle that, you know, maybe uh, you have less access to things like that. Um, Healthcare, especially in greater Minnesota, especially costs in rural areas has become a major issue for farmers. What is possible to change that trajectory if you're in Congress or if you just could lay out a different policy, you know, for uh, for Minnesota.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, access to health care is the, the, the number one priority. Um, we are in a part of the state where uh, health insurance is hard to access um, and by hard. I mean, financially difficult. And, and so I think it is important that we continue to encourage uh, choice in health care. And, and again, we do have a lot of good, um, you know, independent access. I, I think COVID, one of the good things out of COVID is uh, rural America is able to access healthcare care remotely uh, using technology, uh, you know, broadband and access to, to all of those resources. I think we're heading in the right direction. Um, Congress just needs to continue to incentivize that um, and make sure, you know, we don't have restrictions or limits on, on accessing those items. So I think that is, uh, that is an important issue for rural America.
1: The Republican field is crowded. Uh, what's going <laughs> to differentiate you from your Republican opponents?
4: You know, for me, it's been, you know, my entire life, I've been embedded in the communities uh, that I live in. And I, I think that does differentiate me. I'm used to sitting in the coffee shops. I'm, I'm used to working shoulder to shoulder with folks and, and my connections in agriculture and in small business and all the way over to, to, to Mayo Clinic, it just is a great group of people. Um, f- for me, that differentiates me. Um, I have those connections. And I'm not afraid to advocate. People that know me, I'm, I'm a pretty serious guy, which I wish I had a good joke to tell right now. Um, but I am. I'm pretty serious. I, 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 I take the issues. I absorb them. And when I put my uh, nose to the grindstone or I head in a direction... People know where, you know, where I stand. Um, and so I think the, the, the legal skills, my connections to the community, that's what's going di- to differentiate me. If, if you want to see uh, somebody cross-examining big tech um, in Congress, I'm the guy for that. Um, I just, uh, just feel like my, my connections and my advocacy skills really differentiate me.
1: Matt, Ben, the final question here, you bring up big tech, you've talked about agriculture. What do you do for fun? <laughs>
4: um, you know, I, my wife and I and kids, uh, you know, right now we're spending a few days together, um, you know, just reconnecting, reading books. Uh, I, I like to walk. I live in Albert Lee, which is just a great community. Enjoy the lakes. Uh, I enjoy fishing. Uh, I enjoy boating. And of course, uh, we, ice fishing. We have some great ice fishing right there in Albert Lee. So I, I, I do find things to do with my free time. I don't have a lot right now. I have to confess it's a sprint to this, uh, to this finish line.
1: Well, Matt Bennett, thanks for joining me on Sunday take.
4: Great to talk to you. Thank you.
1: A giant has announced he will not run for the legislature. What does Tom Bach's departure from the Minnesota Senate mean? As we look ahead to the 2022 election? And the 2023 legislature. I'm Boyce Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO, and we'll be right back. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Joining me now is uh, Minority Leader Kurt Doubt, Minnesota House. Uh, He And others are watching carefully and working hard on liquor bills. And in my 20 plus years of watching the legislature, liquor bills seem to be more complicated than they need to be to your average Minnesotan. It's the kind of issue that I get asked about um, by neighbors, by at the hockey rink, at the golf course. Why can't we buy liquor on Sundays? Well, now we have that solved and now there's a ton of other issues from growler sales to three, two beer that are deep in discussion. And we're deep in discussion this week at the legislature and joining me is Kurt Dowd. Kurt, thanks for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me, boys. Appreciate the opportunity. You've been around the legislature a long time. You and I have talked about this. It's um, three, two beer has always been a Minnesota specialty if you want to call it that, but now they're stopping making it. And now, convenience stores might not have products. And it just seems like to me that this is one of those everyday issues that Minnesotans kind of look at the legislature and scratch their head and wonder why it's so hard to pass liquor bills. What's what's the history and, and what's your sense of why we need three-and-a-half-hour hearings on liquor when it's not even the session?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, think, I think part of the problem uh, is that they – you know, had been holding off having any hearings on any liquor bills in the Commerce Committee, and it seems like it's been a couple of years since they've had any hearings. So I think there was a little bit of a backlog and yep. some pressure, some pressure building up. So they just decided to do them all at once, um, and probably do them in an interim hearing where uh, you know, there wasn't pressure to necessarily pass them out, then they can kind of think about them and make some decisions on what they want to advance or if they want to advance any of them. Um, and I assume there's some negotiating going on between the, the interested parties. Um, you know, on the issue of beer and wine and gas stations and grocery stores, I think that, um, this is an issue, uh, much like Sunday liquor sales. And as you know, I was, uh, Jennifer Loon was really the driver behind that, but I was, uh, Probably right behind her, and, and being the one that pushed it the most to to actually get it done. And I was Speaker of the House at the time. Um, I think with Sunday liquor sales, the public was was able to get behind that because on Sundays they couldn't buy it, and they just couldn't understand why. Yep. And it seemed it seemed antiquated, right? So um, on this one, you know, people still can buy beer, regular strength beer. Um, they can now buy it on Sundays. It used to it used to be too that when you couldn't buy. Uh, you know, on Sundays uh, there was, there was some pressure building up, but now, you know, people can buy on Sundays, they can buy regular strength beer on Sundays in a liquor store. Now it's kind of more of a convenience thing. So I, I don't yep. think that the public uh, support uh, has grown to the same level that it did with Sunday liquor sales, but I anticipate that it will, yep. um, you know, you've got 45 other States that do this, um every single state around us uh, does it it just you know and i i constantly get phone calls from people um asking you know why is it that that we can't do this here in minnesota i was just in such and such a state and yep. um you know they have it in their their gas stations and their grocery stores it just seems so convenient um the players behind it i think are 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 really driving some of the uh, you know people being locked into their positions um whether it be the the beer wholesalers or other uh you know, distributors or those sorts of things. Um, the the municipal liquor stores, the liquor store owners, obviously are fighting that. On the other side, you've got the retailers and the the grocers that that would like to see that. Uh, my own personal opinion is I, I think it's going to happen eventually. Um, and frankly, I I don't think you'll see the sort of damage or harm to liquor stores that they're predicting. You know, we certainly didn't with Sunday liquor sales. They were predicting the same kind of doom and gloom with Sunday yep. liquor sales, and that didn't end the world. So uh, I have a feeling it's going to pass eventually. I, I, I don't know that we've reached that critical mass yet. Right. But, uh, you know, we'll keep working on it.
1: Well, and it's not even, I mean you can be as partisan as anybody and, uh, you know, watching kind of polarization, but this isn't an issue that cuts across party lines per se. Cause when you guys are in the majority, it's, it's hard to pass this stuff too. Yeah. yeah. It, is the, is it relationships? Is it the, this three tier system that it gets chatted out that normal people don't even understand? Um, or is it just the diversity uh, of Minnesota and then finally, you're from a rural part. I'm from a suburban part. Or is there still like this kind of teetotal or Minnesota thing going on?
0: You know, I think it's I think it's all of those factors. Um you know, with my own members in, in my caucus, uh, one of the big things has been, gosh, you know, we have municipal liquor stores and the people from my city, my mayor and my city council members don't want me to do this. Um, you know, and then I always Come right back with them and say, "Well, you've got one mayor and you know four or five city council members. Um, how many people do you have in your district? You know, real real people, your neighbors that own gas stations, grocery stores that would benefit from this." And then they say, "Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's more constituents on the other side of this thing." So, uh, I and, and part of it too, I think it is that three tier system, and that we've had folks that have really. Defended that three th- that three tier system for so long, um, and I think historically members are just kind of a little bit dug in. You know, I, I'll remind folks. I I probably shouldn't remind folks, but originally I was I was on the other side of Sunday sales. I was against opening it up, and and not for the reason on on liquor, but. You know, I worked in the car business for many years, and that's the other thing where there's still a blue law <laughs> in place where you, you can't sell a car on a Sunday. And nobody that works at a car dealership wants to be open on a Sunday. Right. Um, so so that's why I was in that position. I know. Once I realized that, that, that there was, uh, you know, a lot of support for the liquor stores, we did that. And I always had fooled myself into thinking that, boy, once liquor stores went, then uh, car dealerships would be right behind. Um, but the the public isn't necessarily demanding that they have to buy a car on a Sunday. So that has seemed to have died. 3-2
1: um, is one of the hot buttons that's kind of, you know, sparking this conversation now. I know you have followed this very closely What should listeners know about where three-two beer availability is, and why it's important that this is addressed sooner rather than later?
0: It was not too many years ago. I think even when we did Sunday liquor sales, which was maybe three or was it? No, three or four years ago. Yep. Um, But when we did that, uh, you know, at the at the time, there were probably four or five states that still had three-two beer. Um, we are now the last one. There's no other state that sells 3-2 beer. In fact, Utah was a holdout for a long time. Even they have full strength beer now in their gas stations and grocery stores, I think. So um, there is no other state that, that does 3-2 beer. So the manufacturers are uh, cutting down. We took testimony in that hearing the other day um, that uh, they used to have, gosh, I think it was a year ago. They had 90 SKUs that they could choose from. That's you know SKU numbers, individual yeah. products that they could sell on the store shelves um, that that met the requirements of that three-two beer. Now they're down to 14, um, okay. and it won't be long. They'll they'll I mean manufacturers are just going to say, "Come on, it's just not worth it for us to produce this product anymore." Um, and the reality is, I don't think gas stations and grocery stores sell a ton uh, of three-two beer um so it, you know it's not a, it's not a major thing for them um i also just frankly don't think that gas stations and grocery stores are going to give up a lot of shelf space to carry uh, a lot of full strength beer and wine i think they'll have just a very limited supply uh for a convenience factor and and as you know Um, buying a 20 ounce soda in a gas station is not the cheapest place you can buy a 20 ounce soda. Right. I mean, you know, so, I mean, it's not like I still think that the regular liquor stores are going to be the place to buy this. If you're buying it in any quantity, if you're, if you're picking up just one 12 pack, sure. I can grab it quick here and I'm going to pay, you know, 30% more than I would in the the liquor store. But when people are really buying it, they're going to buy it in a liquor store where they still do.
1: Kurt doubts our guest. Kurt, thanks for joining us. I know we'll have this conversation as we go on, why liquor laws are so hard to change here in Minnesota.
0: Yeah, they, sh- they sure are. They can be, but we'll keep working on it. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Joining
3: me now is Aaron Brown. Aaron is a longtime Iron Range-based writer, observer of all things, the Iron Range politics, uh, and thought that in light of the announcement of Tom Bach's retirement, uh, it'd be good to kind of catch up on the mood of the range Uh, the politics of the range and aaron joins me now aaron thanks for joining me on sunday take
2: thank you for having me
3: um so were you surprised by tom Bach's announcement earlier this week that he was leaving the legislature
2: i was mildly surprised i did understand and everybody understood that Bach had a decision to make about where he was going to go next he had already become an independent uh, and had caucused with the GOP. And that's a strange kind of place to be. Are you going to go all the way and become a Republican? Or are you yep. going to go back and try to become a DFL again, or are you going to try to run a three-way race as an independent? And uh, so that's complicated. And that might've aided his decision to retire just because of the complexity of that attempt. I had thought though that he he had a fight he had some fight in him. I thought he was thinking of running, but I, I think things have just changed enough. Um the 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 delegation's really been kind of reeling from the the health news of Senator Tomasoni, who's struggling yep. with the ALS. And I, I think he just made the decision that it was time time to go. Um so i mildly surprised, but it, it was coming. You know, he'd been there a long time, and so these these retirements are coming.
3: Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. I think um what I had heard later is that, you no, know, he was not just retiring from the legislature, he was done from politics. That he, you know, um, you know, there's always been this idea that he would run as an independent for governor, uh, that that probably isn't, you know, in the cards. Uh, and same with what you said, that the health of Senator Tomassoni has really impacted him personally, uh, Senator Bach. Uh, to just kind of look ahead and say, you know what? I got these grandkids, I got these kids. It's probably time to, to spend some time with them. Um, obviously, this is a, a very, it's a generational change. There's no other way to talk about the partisan shift. Um, and it's multi-generations of, of uh, legislators who represented the DFL from the range. And and now DFLers will have an uphill battle to hold uh, any of these seats how do you kind of handicap those um, issues and the mood of the iron range when it comes to partisan politics
2: well the mood has shifted on the range as you can kind of you really can see in the especially presidential results Uh, pete stauber has really stuck a flag in the ground uh, on the range and is likely to hold most of the range communities in his race for the eighth district and and those are the top of the ballot races, you know, president, Congress, uh, governor. Those are the races where people come in and if they're already voting Republican, you know, getting people to cross over in our electoral climate is really difficult. And even if they did like the DFL representatives, it was a real lift, you know, and, and that's where Box and Thomas Thomasones um, uh, and previous DFL legislators and, and Lislegard to some extent in the House had some advantages as incumbents, but those advantages are are slipping away. And and so the range communities are are true toss up communities. Now, you know, the, the towns are 50, 50, 55, 45, maybe for the DFL. And some instances, some towns have held on to a, closer to 60, but a lot of them have, have left. And the, fur- the further west you go, the more Republican they've become as you get closer to that central Minnesota lakes territory, where Yep. other factors are making uh, voters more conservative it's it's not just mining i'd say it's almost a cultural shift that comes from an aging population and a population that has watched um the old economy frankly just wither away and and wants something done and of course because their baby boomers are older in many cases they're thinking well why isn't it not why is it not like it was in the 70s when things were better and yeah and and so there's a lot of this cultural feeling this vibe almost and you can argue about politics and policy about union politics and uh, the viability of the labor movement and generally people still are supportive of unions but they're willing to vote for candidates that aren't that supportive of unions. Um, just out of a cultural understanding that, well, if the twin cities and the suburbs are voting for Democrats, then that's obviously not for me. And that's, that's kind of the cultural grievance that I see most commonly. So, um, my
3: guest is Aaron Brown here on Sunday take. He's a longtime writer and observer of iron range politics and culture. Uh, and we're talking in light of Tom box retirement about the shift in the iron range. You know, um, I've been around Minnesota politics for 30 years, uh, watched it, heard about the when will the range be back or why can't it be like it used to be several times. But even, you know, over the last decade when mines were, you know, up and running at a higher level, um, is it just too um, tentative? Is it there's not enough jobs? Is it different kinds of jobs what what are the other kind of economic issues that you think has has caused this shift because the shift isn't unique to the iron range there's actually this is a shift in rural america right manufacturing Mm -hmm. jobs uh industrial jobs uh so it's not unique to the iron range the iron range just gives us our minnesota look on uh kind of where these jobs have gone or you know where the where the children of those steelworkers, you know, want to live now or how they want to live, etc.
2: Yeah, it's, it's uh, a friend of mine, um, Pam Brunfeldt, a history a historian, she, she refers to the Iron Range as an industrial frontier. And I think that's a really good way to understand it. And in other words, in political terms, that means it's a mini rust belt, but it's also small towns. And uh, we've been seeing as the DFL has held in recent decades, even the bad decades, like the 80s, which were a recession, uh, not just a recession, but a depression here on the range, um, it remained very strongly DFL. We voted for Mondale. We voted for Dukakis with big numbers, even though those two candidates didn't do particularly well. But it was it was this idea that there was still a cultural memory of the heavily Republican uh, agents of U.S. Steel that that controlled and and um, and and uh, harmed in many cases working people and and a lot of that memory is is slipped away and we're talking to the grandchildren of people who experienced and great grandchildren of the people who experienced those things and they're looking at a more modern climate they're looking at Facebook they're looking at social media they're more susceptible to all the things that any other people are yep. are, are seeing and and so the the idea that your local union chief uh, was going to bark out some orders and everyone was going to follow because that's the tradition, thats that's gone, you know. And even in okay. the case of the union, you know, the Steelworkers Union rank and file are an open rebellion against their leadership. Generally, it's, it's kind of yep. a dicey situation. So um, it's, um, you know, it's very cultural. And I, I realize that's, that that can be overstated and maybe applied to too many things, but Um, People uh, feel left out, and and that feeling has now gone to a much more individualistic politics. The idea of we all do better when we all do better in these classical progressive liberal ideas, they used to sell here, and they don't sell anymore. They don't sell anymore. And that's that's the problem.
3: When you talk about cultural or social, um, obviously guns uh, are an issue. There, there are issues where DFL, you know, has not the DFL as a whole or Democratic Party nationally has moved more progressive on issues that there used to be kind of a sacred understanding or a covenant of understanding that if you were a rural Democrat, uh, you kind of got a pass on those issues and um, or that they just agreed to disagree. We saw it with Colin Peterson for a number of years um, uh, in the seventh, uh, and and what I'm trying to you know get at is are the younger voters that are on the range, you know they never saw that DFL, they were probably never with that DFL, or if they were, it was for a very short period of time. Are those the cultural issues that you're talking about, and and maybe the small town issues? Because you know when you go to the range, I mean. I don't know when I've been there, it's, it feels special, small towny, different than other small towns in Minnesota. Um, but, but my gut is that, you know, the next generation is exposed to other views, other pieces and they see the contemporary democratic party or the DFL out of the cities, um, you know, out of the fifth district, uh, out of the fourth district. It's just that, that doesn't, they don't identify with those issues. And in fact, you know, that's where the pivot is that they they almost feel like it's an attack on, as Pete Stauber puts it, you know, our way of life. And 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 have you broken that down? Have you had that conversation with anybody that says you get to live your way of life and, you know, you can still be a Democrat or or is it just too in conflict for many people on the range?
2: Well, I think it's been kind of uncontested um, at propaganda, for lack of a better word. Um, that that implies that if you want to hunt and fish and ride your boat and four wheeler, um, that somehow Democrats are opposed to this because many Democrats don't do those things. Look at those guys with their their fat tire bikes and their um, and their kayaks on their cars on their Subarus, yeah. you know, and uh, and and we see them drive through. We see them you know, and, yeah. and, and they're not, they're, they're, they're nice folks and we'll take their money, but we aren't super excited about being like them. And so, yeah. um, uh, even though Democrats and there are a lot of rural Democrats still and rural right. liberals, uh, who, who were rooting tooting guns and, and all that stuff. And that was common here and always has been, but, um, it's for a certain kind of person who's not super political, you know, not engaged on a really deep, right ideological yeah. standpoint they might have just casually voted dfl for the first half of their life and now they're casually voting republican because of the sense that you know what do i really like to do is hunt and fish and and uh collect my guns and and uh, talk about um firepower with my buddies and um go fishing up on um red lake or or lake of the woods uh, in the winter and and this is my world and if pete stauber says that you know he's the ticket to keeping all that going and those Subaru people need to stay out of Congress. Um, then, then by God, I guess that's what we're doing, you know. And that's yeah. that's kind of the vibe I get. Now, there are lots of progressives around. Young people are generally more progressive than their than their parents. This is that's just generally yeah. true anyway. Um, but you know, on the range, the problem we've had for a long time is that uh, I always say there's. Just as many range Democrats in the state of Minnesota. The problem is they all live in the fourth and fifth district now, and they're voting for uh, uh, um, Ilhan Omar or uh, uh, yeah. or for uh, uh, Betty McCollum because um, you know a gener, my generation, the the on the millennial Gen X line uh, has right. been has has the liberal college educated advanced degree holding members of our world with me being an exception and a handful of others that I know they go, they go to the twin cities or Duluth. A lot of people are in Duluth. My, my sisters are in Duluth. And, and, um, and so Duluth, what's it become a little more progressive actually than it used to be. Uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul have become even more progressive and suburbs as well. All of that is rural Minnesota to some degree, shedding its, its liberal children and keeping its conservative children. And, and that's not a, like I'm not making a value judgment about that. But if you are a homebody and you want to be home and family and, and your church and your community are important to you, you tend to be more conservative. And if, if you're a young person who wants those things, you're going to stay and you're probably going to be more interested in voting for Republicans who talk about cultural issues and, and cultural decay and also staying out of my business state of Minnesota and this sort of the conservative message it's going to resound a little better with that group of young people. And while it might be completely rejected by the people's own brother or sister who moved to Duluth or to the the Twin Cities. And and so that's the dynamic we see really throughout the whole state of Minnesota. The Iron Range is a part of it. Yes, we're still unique as a culture, the history. I write about all that. It's it's distinct and I, I love it and I'm not leaving. But it's definitely changed politically because it used to be Um, This just understanding that Republicans were coming to get us when I was a kid, my grandpa who was very conservative, he was anti gay marriage, uh, anti abortion, uh, very conservative on a lot of social issues was a straight ticket Democratic voter, because those Republicans were coming to get us. Now, those same voters believe that the Democrats are coming to get us. And and in truth, neither of those are exactly true. But that's a feeling that people have.
3: Well, Aaron Brown, thanks for joining. You say that that's the feeling. And I think 2022 uh, election cycle is going to be a lot about feelings this year. Yep. Uh, yep. Because after the last two years we've had, people have feelings about many issues. So okay. thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. You're, you're, you're welcome. Thanks, thanks for having me. When it's Sunday at 9 on WCCO, it's Sunday Take. I'm Blois Olson. We'll talk to you next week.